0: This is Mandite and the Apprentice Mage, Book 1 of the Mandite Chronicles, written and narrated by Stu Venable. Chapter 10 The side trip to Lover's Isle passed without incident. I had found the long-abandoned cottage on this island just after I fled Eldamy. I was barely seventeen when I was expelled from the collegium. They attempted to jail me, but I was able to evade capture. I spent two days in hiding thanks to an innkeeper I had made friends with. He kept me safe and booked passage aboard a ship for the Outer Isles. During that time my mind was filled with paranoid thoughts. I didn't know who to trust. While the crew of the ship seemed friendly, I suspected they might have recognized me. When the ship stopped at Lover's Isle to pick up more passengers and let a few off, I slipped off the ship and disappeared into the dense jungle. I found the cottage purely by happenstance. I carried only a backpack with a few supplies and a lot of superfluous items. I was nearly dying of thirst and decided I might find a brook or stream at the bottom of one of the many green valleys. I picked one and shambled onward. That's when I found the cottage my cottage. It was made of stone, with a wood frame for a roof. The thatch roof had long since rotted away, and running next to the cottage was a stream of clear, cool water. I spent the next few days attempting to repair the thatch roof, which I did, somewhat. I'm no thatcher, but the necessary materials were plentiful. Once the cottage had a roof, I cleaned it out, intending to live there in hiding. There were probably two, two or three generations of dried and dead leaves within the stone cottage, and as I cleaned all the detritus out, I discovered two dried corpses, buried deep in the rotted leaves. As best I could tell, they were a husband and wife, for the two corpses were entwined in an embrace when I came upon them. I buried them behind the cottage. I wondered if they were the lovers that gave Lover's Isle its name but I realized no one named places for common folk. It was likely they'd just immigrated here, hoping for a better life. In a rotted purse, barely tied to the husband's belt, I found nine gold coins, twenty silver coins, and nineteen copper pieces. That was more money than I had seen in my entire life. It was the kind of wealth that rivaled what my parents had worked for, for their entire lives. Soon I yearned for human companionship, someone, anyone I could talk to. Since I had spent so much time and effort making this place my home, I decided to hide it. I put up scry walls as best I could, and an enchantment that would hide the cottage from casual passers-by. Even though it had been more than a decade since I'd been to the cottage, I knew the way here easily. I led the way as Jass and Cadal struggled to keep up. We made our way from the small harbor on the south side of the island to the mountainous interior. Lover's Isle was teeming with life, some of it dangerous. More than once Cadal called my attention to a venomous snake or other crawling creature. When we arrived at the familiar valley, I picked up my pace, curious about what I would find after more than a decade. I found my small cottage nestled in a thick, jungle-filled valley, in good order. My head now felt better so I attempted to call forth the force of magic to dispel my enchantments. Both Jas and Kidal gasped as the last of my enchantments unraveled, revealing to them for the first time my cottage. "'It's a stone ut,' Cadal said. "'Cottage,' I corrected. "'This was your home?' Cadal asked. "'Only for a while. Then I moved on to Ikota Isle. "'I haven't been back here since,' I said. "'We entered the place.' It was a one-room cottage, containing a makeshift mattress I'd put together, but it had long rotted away. There was a fireplace and a few rusted pots and pans I'd scavenged from the previous owners. I hadn't left anything of value here, as I didn't know if I would ever return. Cadal muscled the mirror through the narrow door, followed by Jass with the wooden chest. I directed them to set them in the middle of the floor. I spent nearly two hours rebuilding my scry walls and wards protecting the cottage from magical snooping and random passers-by. We made our way back to the scarab and continued our journey to Eldamy. As we made our way to the dock on the southern outskirts of the great city of Eldamy, Jas asked me a question that must have been burning in her mind, and I was quite surprised it had taken her this long. "'How did you put up the shield that stopped the cannonball so quickly?' "'You certainly didn't have time to mutter the rhymes for the forces you used,' she said. "'That's quite right,' I said. "'The various rhymes, the limericks, the quatrains, and the sonnets, are only tools. "'They help put you in the correct mindset to summon and control the forces "'by visualizing the symbols of each force,' I explained. "'She looked confused. "'Once you've mastered the rhymes of the forces,' "'You will, over time, become accustomed to how the words play within your mind. "'As this—' I searched for the right term. "'Feeling becomes familiar. "'You will be able to attain it without the use of the rhymes. "'It takes a great deal of time and practice, but you'll get there. "'Of that I have no doubt,' I said. "'Is it dangerous to do that?' "'It can be. "'For example, I would never attempt that with the force of earth. "'It is not my forte.' "'and I always struggled with it. "'But with forces of air and bolstering, "'which I used for the shield, "'I know them quite well,' I said. "'While what I told her wasn't exactly untrue, "'I didn't explain that I had unleashed, "'rather than called in a controlled way, "'both of those forces. "'The mass and velocity of the cannonball "'were quite substantial, "'and my shield was more of a desperation move. "'But I wasn't going to tell her that. "'In fact,' It is likely that the time it took me to heal was a result of the unleashing of those forces. Much of the damage I received was likely of my own doing. As we slowly tacked into the southern harbor, we could see the great city of Eldamy in the distance. It was a sprawl of stone and wood buildings, with the great white spires of the Duke's palace dominating the scene, along with the towers of the citadels of the four cardinal mages, which were spread across the city. The outer stone walls that defended the great city loomed over the homes and hovels of those who could not afford a place within the walls, not that it mattered. There hadn't been a war that threatened the city of Eldamy in more than three generations. I looked down at the ring on my finger. The small pearl-like stone was now dark gray. I frowned at it. "'When we get to the city, will we have time to see the sights?' Jass asked. ''We're not going to the city,'' I said, looking back at my ring. ''We're as close as we're going to get, I think.'' Jass looked at me with disappointment. ''I'm sorry, Jass. It's just not safe for me there,'' I explained. She shrugged, but she was still disappointed. ''When we get to the city, I will need to equip myself,'' Cadal announced from behind me. Jass's eyebrows shot up in excitement. ''We're not going there,'' I said. ''We must, or at least I must,'' This little blade won't do, he said, brandishing his dagger with a skilled flourish. And I'll need armor, now that I'm on dry land. He raised his eyebrows at me and grinned. We can find a blacksmith on the outskirts, I said. Nothing but the best will do, and that will be in the city proper. Besides, I can afford it now, he answered with another grin. I was beginning to realize what he was up to. "'I suppose we can wait here,' I said reluctantly. "'As long as you're not too long.' "'Can I go with him?' Jass asked excitedly. "'Kidal and I answered at the same time, except I said no, and Kidal said, "'Certainly.' I rolled my eyes. I was not going to win this battle. "'I'll keep an eye on her. No one will dare accost her if I'm escorting her,' Kidal said. "'I looked up at the tall, large, dark-skinned man. He was probably right.' "'He was more than a head taller than I and far broader. "'His muscular chest and arms would certainly act as a deterrent. "'I realized I'd never seen him in a shirt. "'Do you own any shirts, Kidal?' I asked. "'One, for special occasions. "'I'll pick some up in the city,' he said, looking at the Eldamy skyline. "'Very well, but please be back before nightfall. "'There's an inn nearby. It's called the Bonnie Scarecrow. "'I'll arrange for rooms and dinner.' "'I said resignedly. "'But please don't take too long,' I pleaded. "'We won't!' Jass exclaimed. "'Thank you, Mandite!' "'And she gave me an enormous hug. "'I reached for my purse and I pulled out some of its contents "'and counted out ten silver coins. "'Here's some money,' I said, handing it to Jass. "'Buy yourself something to remember the visit, "'but don't pay the asking price. "'Haggle them down. "'Kadal can help you with that.' "'Big spender!' "'Kadal said with a wink.' "'I'll make sure she isn't cheated.' "'They left, and I watched the big man and the slight young girl walk away in the morning light towards Eldamy. Jass's red curls flounced as she hurried to keep up with Cadal's long strides. "'I walked through Southtown, which is what the locals call the Sprawl, to the south of Eldamy. "'I had spent much of my time when I was excused from the Collegium here in Southtown.' Street vendors lined the narrow roads that wended their way through the sprawling landscape. Some displayed treasures brought in from ships, probably pirate vessels. Some offered culinary delights made from the sea creatures from the harbor. The smell of Southtown hit me like a ton of bricks, the acrid smell of smoking fish, the perfume of women offering other wares, and the stench of horse dung and worse— I HIRED A BOY TO HELP WITH OUR BELONGINGS AS I MADE MY WAY TO THE Bunny SCARECROW. I HANDED HIM TEN COPPER COINS TO HIRE A HORSE AND WAGON, TELLING HIM TO KEEP WHAT WAS LEFT. THOUGH I HAD NOT BEEN HERE IN NEARLY TWO DECADES, I WAS ABLE TO FIND THE Bunny SCARECROW WITHOUT MUCH PROBLEM. IT HAD BEEN MY INN OF CHOICE PRIOR TO MY BANISHMENT. THE SIGN OVER THE INN WAS, IN FACT, A MINIATURE SCARECROW. THE SIGHT OF IT MADE ME SHUDDER SLIGHTLY, "'Scarecrows were nothing to trifle with, even small ones. "'I entered the inn and paid the boy when he finished carrying our things in. Basil, I'll need three rooms, third floor if they're available, "'and be so kind as to draw me a bath,' I said without looking up. "'I had said that phrase in this place many times in the distant past, "'though the number of rooms had changed, of course. "'Mandite?' I heard a disturbingly old voice answer. I looked up to see Basil Turnwell, the owner and proprietor of the Bunny Scarecrow. The last twenty years had not been kind to him. He was still tall and gaunt, but his height was now betrayed by a curved spine that made him seem much shorter. His mane of black hair had turned sparse and gray. He still wore the livery from his days in the Duke's household staff. He had been the Duke's head butler, and he used his savings upon his retirement to purchase the Scarecrow. As a result, his establishment was known for the best service outside the Duke's palace, and some say it even rivaled that. He walked around the desk and stood before me, a faint smile washed over his face, starting first with his eyes and moving to his mouth. "'It is a pleasure to see you again, Master Mandite. "'I must say that I am very glad to see you well,' he said, "'with the formality only a butler could manage. "'Then he looked around. "'But where are your travelling companions?' Uh, "'They're off in the city,' I answered. "'They insisted on shopping. "'Do you still offer maid and valet services?' I asked." "'The Scarecrow was one of the few establishments "'where commoners could experience how the Highborn lived.' "'We do indeed, Master Mandite,' he answered excitedly. "'Excellent! I should like to hire a valet and a maid for my travelling companions, "'Master Cadal and Young Mistress Jass,' I said. "'It would be a nice treat for them,' I thought. "'Once we set out to find our dark mage, we would know very little comfort.' Very good, Master Mandite. I shall assign Isabel to the young mistress and Jasper to Master Kidal, he said. He reached out and tapped a bell on his desk, and no sooner had the ring faded, a young footman emerged from a doorway behind the desk. Take Master Mandite's things to rooms thirty-one, thirty-three, and thirty-five, and have Maddy prepare a bath for the good master, Basil said. ''Yes, Mr. Turnwell,'' the footman said. I indicated which items belonged in which rooms and turned back to Basil. ''What's on the menu, Basil?'' I asked. ''The cook has prepared duck with lemon glaze, a venison pudding, and of course our beef stew, as always,'' he announced. ''Just the beef stew, Basil. I'm afraid I'm too hungry to enjoy something dear. Oh, and a pitcher of ale,'' I said. Basil winced. ''Do you not wish to hear the wine list?'' "'he asked cautiously. "'I smiled. "'I'm sorry, Basil. "'I've been aboard ship for more than a fortnight. "'I'm afraid I've grown accustomed to ale,' I replied. "'Well, are you sure you wouldn't want a more opulent meal? "'Sailors' cooking can often dull the senses,' he offered, "'as he walked me to the table near the corner. "'You know, the cook aboard the ship was actually rather talented,' I began. "'Apparently they stole him.' I stopped, as I was about to tell him that the pirate vessel I was on stole the cook from one of the Duke's ships. "'From a very nice restaurant on one of the outer isles,' I amended. He made a pained expression. "'All right, Basil, bring me the duck. But I warn you, I may order the stew as well. I'm terribly hungry,' I said. "'I'll see if the cook can manage a double portion,' he said with a satisfied smile." After the meal, which was very good, I finished most of the pitcher of ale and was ready for my bath, which was wonderful. It was now getting rather late, and Jas and Cadal had not yet returned. Though I tried not to, I began to worry. I dressed quickly and made my way downstairs. I walked up to the desk where Basil dutifully stood. "'How was your bath, Master Mandite?' he asked. "'Wonderful!' I think I managed to get most of the sea salt off, I said, and he replied with a polite chuckle. Then I leaned forward and whispered, "Can I speak with you privately, Basil?" "Of course," he said, matching my tone. He rang the bell and instructed the footman to watch the desk. I followed Basil into the back room; he closed the door behind us. "What can I do for you, Mandite?" he asked, his air of butler formality was gone in an instant. Basil played the part of a butler well, but he was also a friend and one who knew my past. In fact, he had proved to be a good and true friend, and they are rare. "'I'm getting worried about my fellow travellers. "'They should have been here by now,' I said quickly. "'He looked out of his office window and said, "'It is starting to turn dark. "'You think they may have been waylaid?' "'I doubt it,' I said. "'I couldn't see any young tough being stupid enough to attempt to waylay Cadal, "'But Cadal has been at sea for some time. "'I could see him blowing off too much steam.' "'They don't put up with that sort of thing in the city,' he mused. "'Do you still have any contacts with the guard?' I asked. "'Of course,' he said, looking through his desk. "'He set out a parchment and quill.' "'Write down their descriptions, and I'll fetch a boy to check with the jailer. "'I'll be back in a moment.' "'I wrote out the descriptions of both Cadal and Jas, "'and handed it to Basil upon his return with a teenaged boy. "'He handed it to the boy and whispered instructions. "'It was nearly midnight when the boy returned. "'I had camped out at a table in the dining room, "'and Basil made sure I had plenty of hot coffee "'to blunt the effects of the pitcher of ale.' The boy hurried into the back office and left a moment later. Basil appeared in the doorway and motioned with his head for me to join him. "'Any luck?' I asked, walking into his back room. "'Yes, but I'm afraid it's not good news,' he said. "'They are both jailed. It seems this Cadal struck a guardsman, a sergeant, in fact.' I bowed my head in defeat. "'Don't despair, Mandite. We can get him out, but I'm afraid it will cost you,' Basil said." How much? I asked with a frown. Mm, that'll be up to the jailer. He's a friend, but the sergeant your companion struck will raise a stink, I'm afraid. Take what you have with you. I can reopen your account if that's not enough, Basil offered. That's kind of you, Basil. I'll collect my things and go, I said as I headed for the door. A um, mandate, he interrupted. Yes. You took a great risk coming back here. "'As I'm sure you're aware,' he started. "'And the boy spotted Xavier around the jail. "'You don't think he knows your back, do you?' "'I looked down at my ring. "'It was the same shade of dark grey, but I knew it would soon be black. "'I can't see how, unless they talked,' I said. "'Is that a possibility?' he asked. "'No,' I started.' Jas certainly knew of my situation, but then I realized Cadal did not. I closed my eyes. Oh, gods, Cadal might have. He might have name-dropped to spare himself jail time. I let out a groan of consternation. "'Would you like me to come with you?' he offered. "'You won't talk Xavier out of jailing me,' I said. "'He might relent, perhaps, given your relationship,' he said." "'I laughed. "'You didn't have any siblings, did you, Basil?' "'No, I'm afraid not, but certainly your reason for returning is good. "'At least I assume it's good,' he said. "'It is,' I confirmed. "'Perhaps if you explain,' Basil said as I cut him off. "'No, he won't believe me,' I said. "'I looked at Basil's long, gaunt face as a devilish expression, "'one that contrasted with his age crossed his face.' "'Then perhaps I could create a distraction,' he said with a sly smile. "'The last time was a very close call. "'Are you sure you want to risk that?' I asked, looking at him carefully. "'Neither of us are as young as we used to be.' "'Basil had been referring to my last escape, nearly twenty years earlier, "'when he had distracted Xavier long enough for me to secretly exit the Bonnie Scarecrow "'and sneak aboard an outbound ship.' "'He never figured it out last time. "'I think it should be safe to try again,' Basil said. "'If you say so,' I said hesitantly. "'I'll go change into something more lossness while you prepare,' he said, "'as he made his way to the stairs in the lobby. Two hours later, well past midnight, I walked downstairs into the lobby. "'Basil was dressed in a simple white shirt, black breeches, and a black woolen overcoat.' "'We nodded to each other, and I followed him out the back entrance into the alley. "'I handed Basil a pack. "'Be careful with that. They're loaded,' I joked. "'The pack was filled with small enchanted jars. "'Each contained kerosene, along with various metal shavings, "'and each jar held a fire enchantment. "'Fire wasn't my forte, but I had taken pains to make sure the enchantments were sound. "'I remember. I'll go a few blocks away and throw them about.' Basil said. "'And don't let Xavier find you,' I warned. "'If he sees you, he might put two and two together. "'Maths aren't his forte, but he's not a dolt. "'This is the exact same distraction we used when I fled Eldamy. "'I shall disappear into the mists,' he said with feigned mystery. "'I smiled at him, and he returned it with a wolfish grin, "'which was far more youthful than it should have been.' "'You know, Basil, you might have made a formidable bandit in your day,' I teased as we walked. "'I much preferred being a formidable head butler,' he said with dignity. Chapter 11 I stood in the shadows of an alley across from the city jails, and just as I feared, the jailer stood at the entrance speaking with Xavier. Xavier was the stereotypical mage, tall and thin, with a long white beard and even longer mane of white hair. I wondered if he'd dyed his hair white. I'd hardly grayed at all, and he was only a decade or so my senior. He was dressed in the pale blue robes of his station as Cardinal Mage of the West. Twice, Xavier looked toward the alley, and each time I tried to think invisible thoughts. No, mages can't turn invisible, though right at that moment I wished I could. The jailer who was Basil's contact, mimicked his interest in the alley each time. The jailer was short and pudgy. He was dressed in the same livery as the town guard, the gray and gold tunic with the dragon's head emblazoned upon the chest. But the livery was but a parody of the grandeur it should have conveyed, as it fit the man very poorly. It was too tight at some points and too loose in others. Clearly, the jailer's job didn't require much exertion, not that I was in any condition to comment on his portliness. He had a wooden cudgel tucked in his belt, and on the opposite side was a giant ring of iron keys. Gasmer, Basil had given me the jailer's name, had a mop of dark brown hair that hadn't been attended to in weeks or months. His face was ruddy with recent exertion, probably from running out to meet and glad hand Xavier. The Eldamy City Jails were built with the same stone as the other government buildings in the city. The structure was white, though in the gloomy shadows of night and the sparse lantern light, it looked more gray and yellow than white. It was a single-story structure with twelve large columns standing at the front, but I knew there were two basement or dungeon levels below this pretty stone façade. When Xavier looked toward me a third time, I knew he was sensing something. He began to walk toward the alley, and the jailer's face turned nervous and even redder. Just then, Basil pulled my ass out of the fire as he began setting off my makeshift fireworks show. Great explosions and flashes of bright orange light filled the sky from several blocks away, near the center of the city. Xavier stopped, looked at the light show, and barked something to the jailer. Then he headed off the other direction, not quite running, but walking very quickly, "'his robes billowing as he left. "'The jailer looked around and motioned for me to approach. "'I could see you there myself. "'What with all the moving and peeking about,' "'Jailer Gasmer hissed. "'Sorry, I needed a good vantage point,' I said. "'Come, come. "'We don't have much time,' he said, "'extending his palm greedily. "'I handed him a small leather pouch, "'and he quickly emptied the contents into his palm.' He frowned and looked at me with a sidelong glare. I gave him an impatient motion with my head. He looked down at the coin, not an insignificant amount, and looked at me in the eye again. Our friend said he would be good for the balance, I whispered. He eyed me suspiciously, then said, All right, go back to your iden place, but stay still, damn you. Yeah, yeah, I muttered as I walked back to the shadows. A few minutes later, Cadal emerged from the jail with a full-size steel corslet hanging from one arm and a long male shirt draped over his shoulder. Jas followed right behind, dressed in a pink and white dress, complete with a crinoline underskirt. If I was not mistaken, I rolled my eyes. The jailer then emerged and pointed to the alleyway where I was hidden. They both ran toward me. Jas looked both terrified and relieved, almost to the point of tears. Kidal greeted me with a wide smile, and he was barely able to contain his laughter. I didn't know if his cheery mood was a result of his escape or a natural revelry. I escorted them to a side gate that Basil explained would be left open for us, and we made our way to the Bonnie Scarecrow. It was nearly dawn when we entered the Scarecrow. Basil was sitting alone in the dining room with a bottle of wine and a cup. His head and shoulders drooped in relief when we entered. "'All went well on your end, I suppose,' he said. "'It did. Thank you, Basil. "'I'm afraid our friend wanted more than I had, "'but Cadal will be happy to make up the difference "'once you know what it is,' I said. "'What?' Cadal asked. "'Never mind you,' I snapped. "'I emptied my purse on account of you, "'and this gaffer risked life and limb as well.' "'Gaffer?' Basil exclaimed. "'Might I remind you I made it back here before your lot, gaffer indeed!' "'All right, point taken,' I laughed. "'Pour me some of that, will you?' I nodded to the bottle. "'I thought you were an ale-man now,' Basil said wryly. "'I waved his comment away with a hand as I approached the table. "'Basil was drenched with sweat, as was his shirt. "'He'd removed the black woolen jacket he'd donned when we left. "'I dropped myself into a chair.' Basil Turnwell, this is Cadal and Jass, my apprentice, I said for introductions. I wouldn't mind some of that, Cadal said, dropping his corslet and mail on the floor. He was breathing heavily from the run from the city as he sat down. Can I have some? Jass asked. No, the three of us said simultaneously. Basil pushed me the newly filled cup and handed Cadal the bottle. Much obliged, Cadal said, lifting the bottle for a long pull. I raised the cup to Basil and drank. He was now sitting with a much straighter back, and he somehow looked a bit younger. "'You need to get out more,' I told him. "'The exercise has done you well.' "'Nothing gets the blood moving like a good jailbreak,' he said, rising to fetch another glass. "'Don't kill that bottle, Kidal, or I'll make you pay for it.' I looked at Jass. She was forlorn and sad. "'That's a lovely dress, Jass.' Very ladylike, I said. She looked up, but her expression didn't change. Basil, could you pour a cup of small beer for the young mistress and perhaps bring a pitcher of your brown? It's quite nice, I said. Come, Jas, sit down. Just a moment, Basil bellowed. He walked over and pulled out the chair and said very formally, Young mistress. He nodded to the chair. She sat down as he adjusted the chair for her. Her expression turned to a blushing smile. When Basil returned from the kitchen, he brought with him a tray with four cups and a pitcher. He set it all out, poured the ale, and joined us. "'Who would you knock?' he asked, not looking up. Basil was speaking of the sergeant guard Cadal had punched. "'Didn't get his name, but he was an ass,' Cadal said. "'What did he look like?' Basil asked. "'Red hair, red-a-face,' Cadal answered. Bertrand, he is an ass, Basil said. Kidal laughed. I hope we didn't put you out, Master Basil, Kidal said. Oh, not at all, especially if you're paying the short of the bill to the jailer, Basil said with a sly smile. About that, I said to Basil. He smiled back. The jailer took all I had, I'm afraid. I'll pay the inn bill, Kidal said. "'Oh, good. I was hoping not to reopen Master Mandite's line of credit,' Basil said. "'You still want the valet and maid, Mandite?' "'What?' Cadal said. "'Of course. They need a treat after their ordeal,' I said, before Cadal could object. He answered with a whimpering moan. I looked over at Jas and noticed something different. It was her hair. Her red locks had a natural but subtle curl to them, but now her hair fell in ringlets— "'and reacted to every movement of her head. "'Jas, did you have your hair done?' I asked. "'I did,' she said with a bright smile. "'She turned her head back and forth, "'and the curls bounced and flounced with every movement. "'It was also obvious that she was more developed than I had previously noted. "'The dress seemed to accentuate the young woman's curves, "'and the upper part of her dress, built more like a bodice, "'accentuated that portion of her body as well.' I decided not to comment on that. "'You are a lovely sight indeed, young mistress,' Basil added. Jass beamed. "'I should say,' I began, "'Basil here is an old and dear friend. "'He purchased this place when he retired as head butler to the duke.' "'Both Cadal's and Jass's eyes went wide. "'Should I have curtsied?' Jass asked. "'Cadal and I both laughed. "'Basil shut us down with a frown.' "'and clearing of his throat. "'One only curtsies for the high-born nobility, young mistress. "'As a butler, I was but a member of the household staff, though its head. "'For one of my station, you need only stand when I stand or enter the room. "'But that was only when I was a butler. "'Now I'm just a humble innkeep. "'But it's good of you to ask these questions. "'Many young people think nothing of propriety,' he said. "'She nodded to him, smiling.' Finish your beer and head off to bed, Jass. While we won't get the early start I had hoped for, I do want to leave some time tomorrow morning," I said. She gulped down the small beer and began to stand. "Wait!" Basil said. He stood and held her chair as she rose. She unsuccessfully stifled a small smile and laugh as she began to walk away. "I'll show you to your room, young mistress. ''Let me know when you wish to be awakened, and I'll have your maid draw you a bath and then dress you,'' Basil said as they walked away. After I knew they were out of earshot, I turned to Cadal. ''What possessed you to strike a sergeant guard?'' I asked. ''Not to mention that you got Jass jailed as well.'' ''Oh, she did that on her own. That guard said something rude to her, and she punched him. ''I'm just the one who knocked him out,'' Cadal said defensively. ''What did the guard say?'' I asked.'' I don't know, and Jas wouldn't say. She just said it was very rude, Cadal said. Good for her, I suppose, I said. Cadal and I finished the ale, and Basil soon joined us and finished the bottle of wine. If you would like to find out more about my writing, go to stewvenable.com.